five, four, three, two, one. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 30 of One Man Watchpoint, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. And of course, welcome to the new year. Um, this is now 2021, and this is your first episode of the year of One Man Watchpoint. So thank you for tuning in if you're new, and thank you for coming along for the ride. Hopefully, we'll have an exciting new year full of not drama and full of a sane world and full of being able to see the people and your friends and your family that you love um, very unlike the past year. Now, as you know, I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, all those things at Sir DRJM. Go ahead and give me a follow. Reach out to me there. Um, tweet at me or send me a DM on Twitter. I'd love to incorporate things into the show, suggestions, questions, anything like that. Um, I'd love to interact with you over there. So go ahead and hit me up. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a reply, tell your friends, all that fun stuff. Now, today, being that it is our first episode of the new year, and being that we are already, uh, I mean, a little over, kind of a week and a half into the new year and everything, um, we got a little catch-up to play. So first, we're going to start things up looking at the latest patch, which dropped today, I believe. Um, today, as of recording, of course. Uh, we'll give a farewell to a certain player that I think we will all miss in the league. We'll talk a little bit about Matt Mr. X and more, in addition to, of course, talking about the latest moves and signings in the Overwatch League. So, without further ado, let's dive on in. Playtime's over. Now, I did just realize there was one thing I wanted to mention at the top of the show that I forgot, so I'm going to throw it in here. Um, as I mentioned at the end of my previous episode, the uh, episode that I closed out 2020 with, um, I have moved all of my recording uh, equipment, files, all that fun stuff over to a different computer. So I am working with a new setup here. Um, it's not entirely that different from my previous setup. Um, but I am still getting used to things, and there might be a few little quirks. So, honestly, hopefully things go smoothly. Hopefully uh, you, the listener, the, the audience, don't notice much of a change. Hopefully there's no dip in quality, audio quality, or anything like that. Um, we'll see what that kind of looks like. I'm, I'm curious to see how things turn out. I don't think there will be a huge issue. Although I have noticed like a few visual differences in uh, in my recording tool that seems strange because it is a it's not a complicated program and I mean it's free and I'm not too sure why things would be looking so different but in any case we'll uh, we'll hopefully find out and hopefully the audio quality on this afterwards won't be just horrendous if it is I'm very sorry um, and I'll know for next episode and we'll figure it out so anyways Let's go on, and uh, as I mentioned, we're going to start things off by talking about uh, saying farewell to Ans from the San Francisco Shock. So I've pulled up here an article from DottieSports.com, posted by Liz Richardson. Um, of course, we're starting off the new year with Liz Richardson. And uh, it reads like this, San Francisco Shock's Ans retires from professional Overwatch. Hitscan DPS Lee Ans Sion, si, pardon me, Sion Chang has surprisingly retired from professional Overwatch, the San Francisco Shock announced today. Ons was a key part of the team's second Overwatch League championship win in October. Ons joined the San Francisco Shock as a last-minute pickup before the 2020 season began. Though he previously played for professional teams like Blossom, Ons first retired in early 2019 and built his reputation as a streamer. His main... Pardon me. I just stabbed myself a little bit there. I'm just checking. We're good. We're good. All good. No, no need to panic. Ons first retired in early 2019 and built his reputation as a streamer. His main draw as Ons on Sniper, that, was, that took a minute there, was his incredible talent with hitscan heroes like Widowmaker and Ash. They've then got the tweet from the San Francisco Shock embedded there, which I'll come back to. In a video posted to the Shock, on the Shock's Twitter page, Ons announced his retirement and apologized to fans for the bad news. Quote, I am retiring from Overwatch as of today, mainly because of my health condition, end quote, Ons said. Over the past year, Ons has been open on social media about, oh, 
and his stream about his struggles with mental health issues and the effects of the Overwatch League on his physical health. In another post explaining his retirement, Ons confirmed that he considered retiring midway through the 2020 season, but was talked out of it by the Shock's head coach, Park Krusty Dehi. He thanked his coaches in the, in the post for taking care of him, noting that an assistant coach made sure he ate during practice. Ons thanked his teammates and all of his support staff in the Shock video. He said all of the team's new additions, like main support, FD God, and DPS Nero, will impress fans. Quote, I truly believe they will show an outstanding performance this season, end quote, Ons said. Jumping back to the uh, tweet from the San Francisco Shock, they tweeted out, Today a legend retires. From stomping ladder to grand finals champion, thank you at OnsOnSniper underscore. For an incredible season, we wish you the best of health and best of luck in your future endeavors. And then they do have a uh, a nice little thank you video, um, kind of celebrating his uh, his season and uh, everything that. If you're a fan of the Overwatch League, you no doubt followed throughout this uh, past 2020 season. So um, let's talk about this a little bit because it is uh, certainly an interesting one. Um, but at the same time, when I saw it. Um, you know, there's always an element of surprise to to seeing a player retire uh, from the league, and especially one who's performing exceedingly well, such as Ons. Um, you know, Haxall comes to mind, obviously. A um, little bit different situation there with Haxall, but I digress. Um, but when I saw it, I was surprised at first, but also immediately there was an element of... Uh, of, of of uh i don't know not surprise um in the back of my mind there so as liz alluded to in her article there ons has been pretty open about uh some of his health struggles throughout the season and especially after san francisco won the final he had some tweets there that he talked about uh suffering with some mental health issues and i think he said he even returned to and i believe he's from china um, I think he said he returned to China at one point to see a doctor just to talk about, uh, you know, getting some medication, getting some help with, with some of his mental health struggles um, is sort of partway through the season. So certainly that from that standpoint, it wasn't too shocking to me. Um, it, you know, obviously it is disappointing because Ons was one of the, uh, in, in a lot of ways, I think there are good players and then there are spectacle players that, you know, it's just incredible to see them play at any level um at any day any time kind of thing um so certainly a lot of the san francisco shock players are amazing fantastic players um but you know it's it's somewhat rare or it's becoming rarer and rarer to see that really one standout where you could just watch that watch the entire game from that person's viewpoint and you'll have a just a blast following along and i think ons was definitely one of those players um he was certainly certainly a joy and a pleasure to to see out on the on the map on the widowmaker on the ash as they mentioned um on any given day so certainly you know we i assume all wish him the best even if you are not a san francisco shock fan um you know you hate to see talent like his leave but ultimately if it's for his uh mental and physical health i think he at one point he had actually talked about having some physical health problems as well from playing so much but if it's for the best for him then good move on his part especially if he's obviously had some success uh streaming in the past or creating content in the past and he can i'm sure slot nicely back in there it's not like his skill is going anywhere um so anyways sad to see him go but uh as as the san francisco shock mentioned there um i'm sure all his followers wish him the best of luck Moving on from there, the next uh, more news story we have than, uh, than league tracking story uh, comes in the form of uh, an article from Hotspawn.com posted by Aaron Alford. Reads like this, Overwatch nerfs Sigma Ash in latest update. A brand new patch went live on Overwatch servers on Tuesday, that would be today, bringing with it several hero balance changes. The hero updates include nerfs to Ash, Sigma, and Wrecking Ball, as well as a minor buff to Hanzo. All of the new updates were tested on the experimental card before being pushed to live servers. They've then got the tweet embedded, which reads, Unleash the Storm. Play the new map and earn new rewards, including... Kyogisha? 
Kyogisha Hanzo by winning games and watching Overwatch on Twitch. Grab your bow and storm into Overwatch's Kanazaka challenge right now. Now that embedded tweet actually said nothing about the buffs and the and the patch, so I apologize for that. That'll actually fit more nicely into our next article, but I'll come back to that. The new patch also brought with it Overwatch's newest free-for-all map, Kanazaka and the Kanazaka Challenge, which allows players to earn new Hanzo cosmetics by winning matches. So there you go. I'll talk about that in a minute here. Going back to the updates, the article continues with Hero Updates, Ash. The developers made some balance changes to Ash's Viper primary rifle fire. It doesn't say fire, but I think they mean her primary rifle fire. Her aim down sight's damage was reduced from 80 to 75 damage per shot, which is a slight nerf which will prevent Ash from being able to one-shot kill enemy targets with a headshot when she is assisted by Mercy's damage boost. According to the developers in the patch notes, this ability was too powerful at higher levels of the game. However, to compensate for overall lost DPS, the developers also reduced reduced Ash's aim down sight's recovery from 0.7 seconds to 0.65 seconds. So her burst damage was nerfed, but overall damage output might actually go up slightly due to her faster rate of fire. Hanzo. Hanzo received a slight buff to his Storm Arrow's ability in Tuesday's patch. The developers reduced the recovery time between the shots in his Storm Arrow barrage. This change slightly increases the DPS of the ability while keeping the same overall damage. After the change, if you fire all five of his storm arrows in a row, you save about a quarter of a second. Not only does this make the weapon feel a little bit better, that slightly faster deployment time can also make a difference in a game as fast-paced as Overwatch. Sigma. Sigma received the biggest nerf of any hero in this patch. The developers increased the redeploy time of his experimental barrier from 1 to 2.5 seconds. This is a huge nerf to Sigma, since he will now be open to damage for 2.5 times as long while trying to adjust the position of his barrier. This change also heavily punishes one dominant playstyle of Sigma, which relies on quickly pulsing his barrier. Post-patch, Sigma players will need to think a little bit harder about their barrier placements, since every barrier deployment will now be a higher commitment. Moving on from there, Wrecking Ball. The developers decided to nerf some of Wrecking Ball's legendary survivability in Tuesday's patch. Before the patch, his adaptive, adaptive shield gave him 100 base shields plus an extra, extra 100 shields per enemy in his vicinity. In Tuesday's update, they reduced the additional shield received from his adaptive shield ability from 100 to 75 shields per target in range. This 25% reduction in shielding is significant, but when his shielding ability is used around multiple enemies, Hammond should, have, should still have a decent cushion to use during his dexterous escapes. Uh, they then talk a little bit about the new map, which I'll come back to. So let's talk a little bit about uh, each of these changes. So first things first, the Ash uh, air quotes nerf. I don't see that one being too affecting. Yes, they're right. It definitely makes it so that a damage-boosted Ash um, isn't going to be uh, one-shot headshotting enemies, which is great, um, but at the same time, at the level of play I play at, you certainly don't see that too often. Um, so I think that's kind of nice, um, but overall, at the same time, I really enjoy Ash. Um, I enjoy seeing her played and everything. I know I talked on a previous episode when she first kind of started coming into the meta um, and we first started seeing her played in, in the Overwatch League and at high levels of play, it was a little bit surprising because um, prior to that, she just hadn't been played too much. And it was almost like there were no real changes to her. And I don't think the changes to uh, the meta had shifted that much. I think players just kind of started to learn how to use her kit a little better. Um, I know you saw players like Surefor uh, dominating the map with her, but you also saw players using um using her dynamite ability a little bit more effectively where they would throw it um throw the dynamite almost over shields um over that orisa shield or over the even the sigma barrier um and get it behind that which kind of would then with the explosive damage hit an entire team which which seemed like it kind of came out of nowhere i i know i personally was surprised when all of a sudden we started seeing ash played a lot um but i liked it ultimately so this nerf will will i think maybe bring things in line a little bit more with some of the other nerfs we've seen over the past little while. Um, but at the same time, I I don't see it being a quick change, I should say. Um, you know, if the Overwatch League we're on right now, I don't 
I wouldn't think this would necessarily make all teams suddenly shift away from Ash. Um, just because, like they said, they, uh, you know, re- decreasing the recovery time from the aim down sights does change things up a little bit, right? I think this is kind of a nice little tweak that might mean we see a little more play variation, but I don't think we'll see too, too much uh, migration away from Ash right now anyways. It'll, it'll probably take a little bit of time um, with players playing with other heroes and uh, maybe even a little bit more shifts in some other heroes before we see a real move away from Ash. Moving on to Hanzo. Um, Hanzo's buff to his Storm ability kind of surprises me. I don't think Hanzo was really a character that that needed a buff or a nerf. Um, but at the same time, that could just be because A, I don't use him, and uh, and certainly I don't think we see him played a lot. I think we were seeing a lot more uh, players move to the Ash or move to the Widow. Um, whether or not that really truly means anything about Hanzo, I think those uh, those characters were just preferred. Um, and ultimately, you know, changing Storm Arrows, I also don't think is is super impactful because in theory, Storm Arrows is your sort of retreat or your burst ability. You know, when a Tracer comes up on you um, or flanks you, you rip your Storm Arrows on them. Or when you're on point and suddenly a, um, a Wrecking Ball rolls in, again, you do the same thing. Um, but you use that as Hanzo to create space for yourself to back out um, because Hanzo ultimately wants to be at range. So I don't necessarily think that's going to change things too, too much. But hey, what do I know? I'm no pro. Moving on from there, uh, the Sigma Sigma changes. This is obviously the most impactful one, um, which I mean, why is why the article starts off talking about it um, or is titled with uh, Sigma and Ash getting nerfs. Um, this one, I think, will be somewhat significant. Um, Sigma in the past has really, really, really been a very formidable foe. Um, I think I think for the most part, it's tough to win without a decent Sigma. And especially if you're playing against a decent Sigma, um, then in a lot of ways, you have to have someone who can match him. Um, and the reason for that is because his shield and movement was so good. Um, not his physical movement, but his shield placement, I guess, was so good and so adaptable that he could pretty much provide cover in most situations to most directions, right? Um, with being able to recall his shield so quickly and then deploy it again, um, you see players like Choi Obin really able to send it out, burst out some damage, um, even let the shield take a certain amount of damage, but then have another shield or another tank rotate in to take that damage, recall the shield, and quickly deploy it out again, or deploy it out in a, uh, you know, if not in the same position, in another position to provide cover from, I, I don't know, just for example, maybe a Farah, or maybe a Widowmaker who's got a another angle, an off angle, um, that she started picking off people or starting to put some pressure on. So, this change makes it so you will not be able to obviously move that shield anywhere near as quickly. Um, I honestly, if I'm reading between, if if I'm peering into my crystal ball here, I think this is a change that doesn't get removed entirely, but I think this is a nerf that gets slightly unnerfed. Um, 2.5 seconds seems really significant going from one second to, to 2.5. I mean, again, as the article says, um, you know, it's literally 2.5 times as long. Um, I could see them bringing it down even slightly to maybe just two seconds instead of 2.5, because even that still doubles the, what the current, uh, 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 whatever it's called, what the current cooldown is. Um, so I could see them playing with that, bringing that down a little bit more. Um, but we'll see. Uh, certainly, the, the biggest question mark is, does this mean Sigma will will be all but pulled from the meta? Um, and and honestly, we'll see. We've we've certainly got some time before we see, uh, you know, the Overwatch League coming back. Certainly, um, which isn't to say there isn't a high level play elsewhere. But you know, ultimately, that's what I base most of my thoughts on because I personally just follow the Overwatch League more than anything else. So there we go. That's Sigma. Moving on to Wrecking Ball. Um, Wrecking Balls, in a lot of ways, could easily be the second most impactful change I'm seeing here. Um, you know, Ashes, maybe, but but Wrecking Balls, this this will just decrease his, um, his survivability in a large way, um, where you see really um, uh, 
really high level wrecking balls where you see them come into a, a point, come into an objective, come onto a payload, whatever the case may be, where you see them roll in quickly, do some sort of burst damage, disrupt things, break up a backline, and then jet. Um, this will hopefully reduce their ability to get out of there in a lot of ways. Um, and I think what that'll mean is you'll have to see an aggressing or an attacking team push up a lot more with the wrecking ball, um, which right now, at least in my level of play, which again is admittedly very low, um, what you see now is you see a wrecking ball roll in, wreck shop, roll out, but it isn't super impactful because the rest of the team is still pushing in, still pushing up, still struggling to, to follow that wrecking ball's lead. Um, at higher levels of play, obviously you see things a little grouped a little better and you see that wrecking ball um, able to break things up a little more. But at the same time, I think this nerf will make it so that they're not able to, uh, to take as big of risks. Um, certainly, you know, down 100 to 75 is not a super large reduction. And especially with the adaptive shield being largely based on vicinity to enemy players, um, like I say, it'll, I think it'll make Wrecking Ball players have to play things a little more safe, but I don't think it's so impactful that uh, um, really skilled Wrecking Ball players won't be able to work around it. So that's all I want to talk about there for the, uh, the patch notes. Um, obviously, if you're interested and if you're curious about everything that was changed or updated, you can certainly go check that out. Um, just Google, you know, Overwatch uh, latest patch notes and you'll find them from Blizzard. Now, moving on there, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the new map. I'm actually going to start by just reading the little snippet here at the end of Aaron Alford's article, um, the same one we were just discussing on hotspawn.com. So I'll just read that. It says, new free-for-all map, Kanasaka. The brand new free-for-all map, Kanasaka, and I'm, I'll, I'll side note, I'm not sure if it's Kanasaka or Kanazaka um, in terms of pronunciation. I think it's spelled Kanazaka. But in this article on Hotspawn, they spell it Kanazaka, which could be a regional thing, but I digress. The brand new free-for-all map Kanazaka is officially live. Kanazaka is a map set in Japan, right down the mountainside from Hanamura. The new urban-inspired map features tight alleyways, plenty of high ground opportunities, and a ton of areas to explore, including a cat cafe and the Tora no Sumika nightclub. Kanasaka is the first new map added to Overwatch since Havana all the way back in May of 2019. To celebrate the launch of the new map, the developers launched the Kanazaka Challenge. This limited time event will be available from now until January 25th and gives players the opportunity to unlock a pagoda icon, a graffiti-inspired spray, and the Kyogisha Hanzo skin. To earn all of the rewards, players must win 9 games in total in quick play, competitive, or arcade modes. Players who have linked their Blizzard accounts to Twitch can also get Twitch drop rewards, awards sorry, for watching Overwatch streamers during the event. Players who watch at least 6 hours of Overwatch streams will receive a total of 6 sprays. Um, so that's what that article from Aaron Alford said. Now I'm going to jump over to an article on .esports.com, once again posted by Liz Richardson, and this reads, Unlock Hanzo's newest skin in Overwatch's Kanazaka Challenge. Um, so I'll, I'll pick a few little snippets in this article, um, just because I think they provide a little, little extra info. From January 12th to 25th, Overwatch players can earn a new skin for Sniper Hanzo simply by winning games. The Kanazaka Challenge, inspired by the game's newest free-for-all map, gives players a chance to earn an epic skin as well as player icons and multiple sprays. The Kanazaka Challenge introduces Kyogisha Hanzo, a new epic skin for the Speedy Archer. The skin, pardon me, resembles Hanzo's usual battle getup with a few important changes. His bow, boots, and quiver all have a green glow reminiscent of his brother Genji's cybernetic attachments. Most importantly, Hanzo is now sporting a set of cool orange sunglasses. They likely have some target-acquiring properties, but we like to think he's just wearing them for the aesthetic. During the two-week challenge, players can unlock the Kyogisha Hanzo skin by racking up nine wins in any Overwatch mode, and then it goes on to detail the uh, the article goes on to detail the sprays and everything else you can get there. So that is uh, what the Kanazaka challenge looks like. And of course, um, 
you know, this is a new map, so the map will stick around. However, the uh, skin is only available from January 12th to the 25th. So make sure you go out there, you get the wins, and uh, you pick up that skin if that's something you're interested in. Looking at the skin now, it's actually, in my opinion, it is pretty sick. Um, I personally, uh, I mean, I'm not a Hanzo player in any way, shape, or form, and uh, I actually am not the biggest fan of Hanzo either. I definitely think his most of his skins, or, or a number of his skins, are kind of lackluster, um, and I'm not incredibly into them. Um, however, this one, you know, looking at it, I actually don't mind this one. I think it's got some cool, cool features, especially with the green highlights that uh, were pointed out in the article there. Um, so, anyways, uh, go out, get the wins, um, try out the new map. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't actually... Uh, booted up the game to try out the new map or get my wins or anything like that and you know what i'll be honest over the winter break there um i was not playing a ton of overwatch at all i dabbled in a few matches but i didn't i didn't really bother to go for the winter challenge skins at all um i honestly to be honest with you i may have earned some i may not i just was into some other games so i really was not playing it much at all um, I was playing a lot of Bloodborne over this past break, um, for some reason dipping back into a game from 2015, but, well, I mean, hey, Overwatch is from 2016, so <laughs> not much difference there, but I digress. Um, I am looking forward to getting back into it, and you know what, honestly, I do enjoy the uh, playing a little bit of Deathmatch every now and then, so uh, hopefully this should be a good reason for me to get back into it. <clears throat> now then, let's move on to our next article. This is our final, uh, you know, air quotes news story before we go into the owl tracker and talk about some trades that have been going on. Um, and this one comes by way of the Esports Observer, posted by James Fudge. And this one reads, Venn's, quote, the download, end quote, host Matt Morello joins Activision Blizzard. Venn on-air talent and host Matt Mr. X Morello has joined Activision Blizzard as its new senior manager of product and content esports. Morello is a seasoned esports commentator and producer who most recently served as the host of the Venn show, The Download. In his new role, Morello will work across the Call of Duty League and Overwatch League, working behind the scenes to produce on-air segments with talent. Quote, excited to announce that I will be joining the Activision Blizzard esports as senior manager of product and content working across both Overwatch League and Call of Duty, end quote. Morello said in announcing his new position on social media quote i'll still be on the broadcast team and might even pop my head in on the cdl broadcast but i'll get to work with the amazing team behind the scenes to help make the best leagues possible end quote morello is a veteran producer and on-air talent having worked in various roles behind the scenes and in front of the camera at ven major league gaming overwatch league esl gaming umg events and evil geniuses so this is uh, this is an article I wanted to bring up because uh, you know for as much as I talk about uh, how I enjoy seeing the progression um, players have and players go through, um, and not just players but um, sort of organization pieces. Um, so you know coaches, um, whatever staff, uh, I don't even know who else, GMs, other roles within organizations. And as much as I talk about loving. Uh, when we see progression or moves there or moves from one organization to another or moves from, um, you know, one region to another. Um, this is something that, honestly, I feel like we don't see too often. Um, I know there was some drama around uh, where production was going from the uh, season two of the Overwatch League into season three, um, specifically with one caster in particular. Um, but... I think we, in a lot of ways, we saw some shifts, but then obviously with COVID and everything, um, we didn't necessarily see uh, what felt like a lot of meaningful moves. You know, obviously we saw Custa go from player to uh, to broadcast. We saw, you know, Johnny come from, as I understand it, he may have actually been in the background of season two, uh, like behind the camera and everything, which I didn't realize. Um, but we saw him come to the desk. We saw Zoe move to the desk. Um, well, stay on the desk, I guess, but become more involved in some of the desk work. Um, and then we saw people like Brennan and Sideshow move to uh, the casting, which I think was largely in part due to the fact that teams and players were supposed to be traveling for play. Um, 
So certainly we didn't have the season we expected, um, but because of that, I mean, it, you have to remember that it's not just the players and organizations that are affected by that. It's people who are, you know, uh, broadcast talent. It's the desk. It's people behind the camera who are planning the content, who are making the segments, who are operating cameras. It's the observers who are, um, you know, operating the in-game cameras and and uh, coordinating what you are seeing on the screen. So there's so many different moving pieces and parts to this that, um, you know, again, this is all just a way of saying I really enjoy when we see this kind of progression and we see things like this happening. Um, so good for Matt. Um, really excited to see what he can bring. Um, as the article mentions there, he has actually an extensive history, um, especially with Call of Duty. Um, but in esports in general, so I think he brings a lot of potential insight and uh, and, and obviously experience to the to the game um, or to the production, which hopefully will be reflected. And hopefully, you know, hopefully we still will see him on screen in a casting position and things like that every now and then. Um, just because I certainly think he's he's one of the the likable ones, and I love seeing him with uh, Mitch Uber, Leslie. Um, I think they make a really good combo. So. Anyways, it'll be exciting to see what kind of changes and what kind of experience he uh, he brings to the board. So that is that. Now then, next up, we're going to go ahead and dive into the Owl Tracker where we will look at a bunch of, uh, I don't even know what to call them. I mean, I guess they're signings. I think they were largely already predicted and things like that, um, with the exception of maybe one. However, we're going to talk a little bit about the London Spitfire as well as a few other minor moves here um, right after we take a quick break. There's no stopping me. And we're back. And so, as I mentioned, we will talk about the London Spitfire, but we're actually going to jump over and first we're going to talk a little bit about the Vancouver Titans. Um, so now, as we know, I've not been super shy about the fact that uh, I am primarily, or at least I started out, a Vancouver Titans fan. Um, that's how I, you know, really started following the league and became interested in the Overwatch League in the first place. Um, you know, if you haven't been around here, this this is sort of the story of how I became a Titans fan. Um, I actually, uh, initially, I, I followed Overwatch and I loved Overwatch and the game and everything uh, for quite a while. And then I just decided I wanted to uh, take a look and dive into the Overwatch League. So I kind of looked at the, uh, the, 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 the the available teams there, and I said to myself, well, first, if I'm going to support a, uh, a team, they should be a Canadian one because, I mean, hey, I'm a good Canadian boy. So I want to support a Canadian team or Canadian organiza organization. And I looked at the two teams and said, well, you know what? If you are Canadian and you are not from Toronto, you do not support Toronto in any of their uh, eSports endeavors. So I then went to the other coast. Well, not that Toronto's on the coast. I went to the other side of the country and said, well, my other choice is Vancouver. And guess what? If you are from Calgary, Alberta, where I am from, you do not support any teams from Vancouver. So I kind of weighed the, the options, the pros and cons, and said, well, here's the thing. If, uh, you know, if we ever do get to live events and things like that, because keep in mind this was back during Season 2, then who's going to be the easier team for me to support, the easier team for me to visit, the easier team for me to go to a live event, even if it's not a game? Well, guess what? The easy answer to that is, of course, the Vancouver Titans. Um, and then, of course, that led me down the path of, well, let's take a look at the standings. And, of course, Season 2 Vancouver Titans were top of the top, uh, top of their game, really, um, whereas the Toronto Defiant were not looking so hot, even if they had a little bit of success at the beginning of the season. So it seemed like an easy decision for me to support the Vancouver Titans. And of course, now looking back, uh, knowing what I know, maybe that uh, maybe I wouldn't have chosen Vancouver. However, um, you know, I did choose them in the first place, and I still have a part of me that wants to see them do well for the simple fact of, you know, they were the first team I was really a fan of. So I digress. Our first article here looks like this from dailyesports.gg, posted by Michael Zar. Flex DPS Tiru joins the Vancouver Titans. Fans were expecting some signings across the Overwatch League to help complete their rosters, but Vancouver surprised everyone with their seventh man. The Vancouver Titans have signed Korean Flex DPS Tiru, formerly of O2 Blast. After playing over two years in Korean contenders, this prospect finally gets a chance in the big leagues. Tiro's path to Tiru's, sorry, path to the Titans. Tiro first began his journey playing for Armament, Ar Armament, sorry, 
in 2018, but grew to popularity in 2019 playing for X6 Gaming. After winning one tournament, he moved on to Meta Athena for the rest of the year. He didn't lead the team to glory, but showed his talent on a great stage. However, for 2020, he moved on to O2 Blast, sticking with them for the entire year. Their first weekly tournament didn't lead to success, but the rest of the year did. They won their second tournament and upset everyone to win their first season of 2020's Korean Contenders. Their second season wasn't as successful, but O2 Blast went from relatively unknown to a talent pool for the Overwatch League. With Tiro leaving now to the Titans, four players have left the team to the Overwatch League. The first was Pelican, who joined the Atlanta Reign. Then Neko joined the Guangzhou Charge as a coach. Lastly, Yakpung joined the New York Excelsior not too long ago. But with Tiru, that makes four former O2 Blast players in the league. Titans completing the roster. After their announcement last month, fans weren't sure if the Titans were going to add more players, especially since they bulk announced their signings. How long would it be until their next one? Turns out they were just waiting for the holidays to be over. With this signing, this marks the first Korean signing for the team since the infamous exodus of their original roster. With their goal of a mixed roster, Tiru's flexibility makes sense. Adding to DPS depth is always a good idea, as we've seen, uh, sorry, as we've seen from the champions over the past three seasons. We'll have to see if Tiru works for the Titans, but the team is making the roster stronger. So, uh, reading that article, you know, a fair amount of conjecture from the author Michael Czar there. Um, not that I mind that, certainly at all. Um, but uh, everything I've read and seen does say that uh, there may have been a little bit of scrutiny against the Vancouver Titans. Um, it's interesting. I did not actually realize that O2 Blast had seen so many players coming into the Overwatch League for uh, for 2021, um, and that's mostly just because of my lack of, of uh, you know following the contenders scene. However, you know, exciting to see that that much comeuppance from uh, from Tier Two, and obviously exciting to see Vancouver bolstering their roster. Now, what I had also read was that Tiru is you know. Maybe a player who some other teams had been looking at, but maybe not one that was many teams' first pick. Um, and certainly, uh, there were also a few rumors that I had heard that um, that a lot of players that had been reached out to by Vancouver weren't necessarily interested in coming to Vancouver or were a little wary of the organization. Now, a lot of that, again, take it all with a grain of salt because that's a lot of rumors that I had heard, a lot of conjecture. Um, so I, I don't have, I mean, I don't have sources. I don't have any confirmed uh, details or insider knowledge that I can share or anything like that. But that's just kind of some of the rumblings I had heard from reading a lot and doing a lot of uh, a lot of research on that kind of thing. So, so anyways, um, you know, Hopefully, it's good to see someone taking a chance on Vancouver, and hopefully, they start a season of turning their their image around. Because right now, they're they're dealing with a lot of not so good, I guess, a lot of ill will towards them. Um, and I mean, I think they lost a lot uh, in the air quotes exodus that happened there um, with the the former uh, runaway group uh, imploding. So, anyways, that's all there is for Vancouver talk. Um, I wanted to bring it up, though, because, like I say, you know, I started off a Vancouver Titans fan. Um, ultimately, I'd, I'd like to see them do well. Um, how well will this mean they do? Who knows? Right now, in my mind, their roster is probably the biggest question mark of the league. Um, if we look at every team, I don't think there's anyone else that uh, that looks as questionable as they do. Um, you know, teams like... Maybe the Valiant come to mind, where it's a little bit of uncertainty. Um, you know, maybe the new Paris comes to mind, where they have a little bit of something to prove. Um, even the London Spitfire, in a in a way, because they are pulling basically an entire um, tier two roster up to the big leagues. Um, but at the same time, I don't necessarily think that any of that means much. Um, you know, the game changes so quickly, the players change so quickly, and uh, ultimately. All of these players are skilled, so we'll see what happens. Um, but cross your fingers for Vancouver, if you will. Now, moving on from there, we got a ton of London Spitfire to talk about here. Um, I won't read a ton of all of this, just for the pure fact that uh, um, 
that they're it's all London focused and I honestly I don't follow tier two as I've talked about so a lot of this doesn't mean a ton to me um, but hey I will say this this is awesome to see because we're really seeing some development here from an organization feeding into in in theory their parent organization not and I don't just mean tier two into um, or contenders into the Overwatch League I mean seeing the London Spitfire bringing players up from the uh, British Hurricane which is essentially their direct relative in terms of a tier two scene so it is important to highlight this because this is uh, big and isn't something that we necessarily see too often so the first article I've got here reads London Spitfire adds flex support RIPA and this is from Liz Richardson at dottiesports.com the London Spitfire roster is finally getting some backup. After months of relative silence, the Overwatch League team announced today that Flex Support Ripa will be joining the 2021 roster. He's the first of multiple anticipated promotions from the Spitfire's Overwatch Contenders Academy team, British Hurricane. So that was posted January 4th, 2021. And then if we move over to January 5th, the very next day, an article on thegamehouse.com Posted by Brian Rockwood reads London Spitfire promote main support Kellex to 2021 roster. And another snippet of this one. The latest announcement from the highly anticipated roster reveal for the London Spitfire is here. On Tuesday, January 5th, the London Spitfire promoted British Hurricane main support Kellex to the 2021 roster. By joining the London Spitfire, Kellex will now play on his third Overwatch League team. Um, and I'm actually just going to quickly scan the article here. Oh, here we go. Uh, the 2019 season was a little... Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Rewind, rewind, rewind. Kellex's experience in the Overwatch League will be one of the keys to success for the London Spitfire. Like his support duo Ripa, Kellex was a part of the inaugural season of the Overwatch League. Beginning with the Boston Uprising, Kellex shined as one of the most consistent main supports in the league. He helped Boston complete a perfect 10-0 stage as well as finish in the top four for the inaugural season. The 2019 season was a little less impressive thanks to the varying different issues uh, within the Boston Uprising locker room. For 2020, Kellex played for the Toronto Defiant before joining the British Hurricane. Kellex and the Defiant found themselves struggling the league, tr struggling as the league transitioned to mainly online play. After several disappointing matches, Kellex announced he would be stepping away from Overwatch at the time. So. Um, I read a little bit more on that one because that one actually provides the history of Kellex, which in my mind, as soon as you see the name Kellex, um, you know, it screamed Toronto Defiant to me. And that's mostly just because I followed, uh, followed the Overwatch League around that time and not so much, um, earlier on as they discussed there, but regardless, the experience that he brings is, is a big deal. Now then. We don't want to stop the London Spitfire train from rolling at all either, so we're going to move on to another article on thegamehouse.com, again posted by Brian Lockwood, which reads, London Spitfire promote off-tank Molfig to 2021 roster. And again, it starts on, let me just double check, yep, on Tuesday, January 5th, the London Spitfire announced the promotion of British Hurricane off-tank Molfig to their 2021 roster. Molfig serves as the second half of the brand new tank line alongside, oh, wait, 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 Someone who I haven't mentioned yet, so I'm not going to read it just now. Mulfig joins the London Spitfire after several years of competing in competitive Overwatch. Dating back to 2017, Mulfig has played with several different teams competing even before European contenders. In 2019, Mulfig played alongside fellow Hurricane call-up Kellex and new coach Fisher on the Denmark World Cup team. Together, the three new Spitfire members placed top six in the 2019 World Cup. Mulfig joined the Hurricane late in 2019, where he and Tank that I have yet to mention began to serve as the Hurricane's front line. Together, they cemented themselves as the best tank line in Europe. Now, after an almost perfect year with the British Hurricane, Mulfig will bring his off-tank prowess to the Overwatch League. So there's another one. And again, obviously, we are seeing a pattern here. We are seeing British Hurricane. We are seeing Contenders. We are seeing Tier 2 coming up into the London Spitfire roster. Now, let's move on to that one that I hadn't mentioned just yet which reads like this. This is from dailyesports.gg, posted by Michael Zarr again. Main tank Hadi joins the London Spitfire. Another Spitfire signing announced in the Overwatch League, another British Hurricane graduate. 
The London Spitfire have signed German main tank Hadi, formerly of the British Hurricane. This signing is the third one off of their contenders roster and most likely not their last. But when it comes to Hadi, it's clear with his experience on the British Hurricane roster that there was no way they weren't bringing him onto the Spitfire roster. Hadi's path to the Spitfire. After playing for many teams uh, since mid-2018, Hadi grew to popularity from his open division time on HSL Esports. They didn't win, but they surprised enough where most of their players moved on to better teams. This included Hadi, who, after his performance for Germany at the World Cup, helped stand in for the British Hurricane. Turns out, the team liked him so much they added him to him permanently on the roster. Finishing off that season, the Hurricane got eliminated in the semi-finals, but they were improving. After some key additions and improvements from existing players, they went on a tear starting in December of 2019. They won the Breakable Barriers Tournament of Open Division, division but weren't stopping there. In the first 2020 EU season, the Hurricane won every single week leading up to the end uh, to the season end, which they also won. In fact, they didn't lose a single game that season on their way to their title win. Of course, Hadi was a key factor for that in that team. For their second 2020 season, they decided to add some more talent. They continued their winning streak until November, where they lost to Obey Alliance. However, the Hurricane would sweep them in, a gaunt in the gauntlet afterwards. Besides losing a show match to American Tornado for the year 2020, the Hurricane only lost two tournaments. This is an insane year. It would be dumb for none of the players to join the Pro League in 2021, and the Spitfire seemed to agree. So, um, I included that there because that does actually provide a little bit of the background of the British Hurricane and uh, the season that they've seen. And in particular, um, that combination of off-tank Mulfig and, uh, and main-tank Hadi. Because from what I have heard, those two together are going to tear things up. So I'm definitely excited to see what happens there um, and see them uh, kind of get their uh, time in the, in the big Overwatch League limelight. And finally, on January 6th, we have the final London Spitfire article here, this time from .esports.com, posted by Michael Kale, and it reads like this, London Spitfire rounds out DPS line with Sparker Hybrid. The London Spitfire has had a busy week filling out its 2021 uh, Overwatch League roster with six new players, and today the team officially signed both Sparker and Hybrid. The pair of DPS players bring the Spitfire roster up to the league minimum seven-player requirement, meaning the team is ready to compete with matches uh, when matches start back up. This will be Hybrid's first time competing in the Owl after playing in contenders over the last several months with Team Doge, a lineup formed uh, out of the ex-Team Envy players once the organization released its roster. He immediately joins Blase on the team's main roster as the second DPS player, bringing Ash, Tracer, and Echo to the hero pool. Sparker is also joining the Spitfire DPS lineup, but he but since he won't be won't turn 18 until June 10th, he'll be on the team's inactive roster until the summer. That doesn't mean he can't remain with the team and practice with the other players in preparation for officially joining them later this year, though. He's the fifth player to be promoted from the British Hurricane Contenders squad up to the Spitfire roster, joining teammates Ripa, Kellex, uh, Mul Hadi, Mulf, and Mulfig. This year will mark the Owl debut for Hadi. Hybrid, Mulfic, and Sparker when he's eligible to play. So again, um, as as that article mentions, that rounds up the London Spitfire roster, and we now know what uh, what things will likely look like for the start of the season. You know, there there still is time; they can still make signings throughout the season and that kind of thing. But this is what their starting lineup will look like. Um, so I think in in large part, there's there's a lot of hype around this. There's a lot of excitement around London. Um, and that's not necessarily because they've got an all-star team. Although the British Hurricane, uh, as that one article mentioned, um, had a killer season. Obviously, nobody expects them to duplicate that exactly in the Overwatch League. Because, I mean, hey, the only example of that would be the Vancouver Titans. And look how that turned out. Now, that was obviously different circumstances um, entirely. But... I digress. The point is, I don't think anyone sees this roster as quite that level. Um, and certainly, we are in an entire... We are playing, for all intents and purposes, an entirely different game. Um, you know, that that roster was heavily dependent on the GOATS meta, although that is not to discredit their ability and their skill, because I think they proved in Stage 4 that they can still play with the best of them, um, even when they are not in that GOATS meta. But there are other circumstances around that. Um, now, 
regardless, the reason I think this is getting so much attention in large part is because of general manager Nuki and how she has approached things. Um, she was pretty clear from the time she was promoted that this is what they were, or she was pretty clear in hinting at this being the path um, that they wanted to really feed into the London Spitfire organization from the uh, uh, contender scene with the British Hurricane. So really great to see that through line and that communication. Um, and ultimately, I think uh, it's really exciting to see this, and we're all excited to see what happens with London um, and what kind of success they can bring, given that they're bringing in so much new talent. Um, that's that's another part of it, is that I think a lot of these teams, you know, aren't necessarily bringing in new talent, or they aren't bringing in that much new talent. Whereas London, uh, with the exception of, I think, Blase, are bringing in entirely new players. Is that Am I crazy, or...? Uh, so these two were the fifth players brought up from the British Hurricane. It doesn't mention, yeah. This will mark the Owl debut for one, two, three, four. Uh, four players. All right, anyways, I digress. Exciting to see, and uh, I mean, just like I say with almost everything here, we are excited, and we just want more Overwatch League. Bring the league back. Um, at this point, actually, at time of recording, I'm looking, we are little over a month away from blizzcon where we will hopefully get some real news about not only overwatch 2 but also about of course the next season of the overwatch league so let's move on um we've got one more story to cover here and it is an important one that i want to bring up because it relates directly to my toronto defiant which Again, as I mentioned earlier, you know, if you're new around here, I started out not being a, a Toronto Defiant fan, but having followed the league a lot closer, having followed players, having followed coaches, having learned organizations and how things work a lot better, I find I am I myself am more and more a fan of players or or organizations than I am necessarily, you know, a team. Um, in a lot of ways, I don't know that I really truly have a singular favorite team. Um, I, I now like to see how teams are doing and, you know, find players that I, I can can relate to or, or identify with and sort of follow them and cheer for the teams that they're on more than just saying, oh, you know, I'm a New York Excelsior fan or I'm a Soul Dynasty fan, that kind of thing. Um, so in that vein, we now see that the Boston Uprising welcome new coach Baroy for 2021 season. And this is again by Brian Rockwood on thegamehouse.com. And it reads like this. In what appeared to be a sudden surprise for many Owl fans, the Uprising revealed their latest piece to the 2021 puzzle. On Wednesday, January 6th, the Boston Uprising announced the signing of new assistant coach Dennis Baroy Matz for the 2021 season. Baroy had spent the previous two seasons with the Toronto Defiant until he was re released in the offseason of 2020. The new Uprising analyst is known for his work on Winston's Lab, a fantasy Overwatch League site. While working on the platform, Baroy was able to see insights and derive information from parts of the game that most teams overlooked. Due to his success at the site and his unique skill set, Baroy was called up to the big leagues to bring his analytical prowess to the Defiant. Baroy joined the Toronto Defiant in the 2019 season, where the team started off hot but fizzled later in that year. The team itself had gone through multiple variations of starting lineups, but the coaching staff had remained the same throughout 2019. 2020 was much more of the same, rotating out players and needing to sign mid-season additions to fill in gaps. Boston isn't too unfamiliar with roster issues. Now together, the the both Baroy and the result uh, and the rest of the uprising hope to have a season with a little less turnover and more positive results. So, um, bringing that one up because. Uh -huh. because obviously Baroy, I think in a lot of ways is, if he's not a fan favorite, he's an industry favorite um, because of his work with the, uh, on Winston's lab, as they mentioned there. Um, Baroy is in a lot of ways one of the big brains behind the Overwatch League. Um, and by League, I mean obviously the organizations he's worked with, but certainly he is a character that that deserves a place in Overwatch League history. Um, for his impact on the game and for his insight into, uh, as they mentioned there, a lot of the stats and information he was able to pull um, and he was finding. And that's why he was brought into the Toronto organization. Um, honestly, in a lot of ways, I think Toronto made a really smart pickup in grabbing him um, because 
his the the analysis he was probably able to provide is probably in a lot of ways invaluable. Now, obviously, they might feel different. You know, I, I'm not in with the organization, so maybe he wasn't as impactful as they had hoped. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I think there's a lot of power in a name and, you know, assistant coach, that kind of thing holds weight to it. And it does make me question, maybe he shouldn't necessarily be in an assistant coaching position. Maybe his title should be something more along the lines of, of uh, I don't know, analyst of statistical analyst or something like that something that seems a lot less sexy but you know should be valued nonetheless however again there's a lot of power in a name but at the same time names or titles are meaningless so who knows how the organization works but regardless really good to see him picked up by a team and even if it is a team like boston which as we all know did not have a good season and i believe finished bottom of the league it's good to see an organization like Boston making a move like this because this does obviously indicate a desire and a willingness to, um, you know, to pick someone like this up and hopefully take advantage of him and his knowledge in a significant way. Um, that'll be the real question is, is how much of an impact is he able to have um, on an organization like Boston? And can he really help with uh, with improving the situation there? Obviously, that's the ultimate goal for Boston. So, so that is it for our trade tracker. Now, um, normally when I do the trade tracker, I will pull up a trade tracker from Liz Richardson on .esports.com. I do have it up here, um, and looking through it, I noticed the only thing I didn't touch on is that the Seoul Dynasty promoted off-tank to you from a two-way contract to a full roster position. So he was on a two-way contract, which essentially, as far as I understand, means he could jump back and forth from contenders to the Overwatch League. Um, there's obviously restrictions around that, none of which I know, but I understand that that's what a two-way contract is. Now, them promoting him from a two-way to a full roster position hopefully means that he will get more playtime and will be a fully integrated into the lineup. Um, there are a number of reasons he could have been on a two-way as opposed to just fully being committed to the roster. One of them could certainly be so that he could play in some tournaments over uh, over sort of right after the season, regular season of the Overwatch League ended. Um, but who knows, really? Um, that's obviously going to be up to the organization. So I digress. Um, I don't have too much of an opinion on it because I know next to nothing about 2U. So there you go. Good for him. Now, with that, that brings us to the very end of our show um, and the very end of episode 30 of One Man Watchpoint, which is, of course, as you all know, an Overwatch podcast. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please, 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 please uh, follow me on Twitter, follow me on Instagram, whichever you'd prefer. I mean, honestly, I'd prefer Twitter because then you can engage with me and you can give me suggestions, leave me comments, uh, let me know what you'd like to know, ask me questions, whatever you want to do. And hey, if I like it, I'll talk about it. And I would like to like it. So please do that. Um, you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, all that jazz. If you leave me a, rev a review, um, you know, as long as I get notified of it, which I assume I will, then uh, I will happily read that on the air. Um, if it's negative, then hey, I might not. I'd, I mean, if you're leaving a negative re review, why are you leaving a negative review? I can't imagine you got this far into the podcast just to leave me a negative review, but if you do, I mean, it's not like it's not like I'm cooking you food. So why would you leave a like, negative review? You know, I, I get a negative review if you're going out to dinner and you have a poor, poor experience. Then yeah, review them negatively because you don't want people to go there. But ultimately, I, I have next to no following. Why are you leaving me a negative review? Anyways, talk to me, engage with me. I'd love to. I'd love to engage with you and build a community. That's the goal for 2021: is build a community of some form and. And hopefully it's a positive one because I want a positive community because ultimately I'm here to celebrate Overwatch because I love Overwatch and the Overwatch League, of course. So anyways, all of that said, um, if you enjoyed today's show, give us a follow on Twitter, on your podcast service of choice, and let me know how I'm doing. Reach out to me at SirDRJM on Twitter and follow the podcast and all that jazz. Um, we will be back probably not next week because i think it's going to be a pretty quiet week um so we'll probably be posting our next episode on january 27th recording on the 26th 
Um, and we'll probably stick with the two-week schedule for now, uh, at the very least, until, let me just take a look into the future here, if we post January 27th, that will mean we post February 10th, which means our episode will be up the week before BlizzCon, which means our next episode would go up on the 24th, recording on the 23rd. So that timing might work out perfectly, that we have a ton to talk about in a couple episodes. Um, obviously, that's going to be one, it's going to be two episodes before that, so that'd be episode 33, the big 3-3, so we'll see what happens there. Um, anyways, thanks for listening. I truly, truly appreciate it. Um, I really enjoy doing this, and actually, it was really good to get back into this. I, I, like I say, I haven't been super into Overwatch over this, you know, winter break, but uh, it felt really good to kind of get back in there, stretch the muscles, and test out the new new setup I've got going here. Um, so, yeah, again, if I don't have the best quality, audio quality or anything like that, don't hate me. I'll hopefully figure it out for next week. Um, but I digress. Thanks again for listening, and thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you.